Good day, good folks. You are listening to Talk That Keeps You Woke. And with your awakening, we hope that you will take in the information and knowledge we provide. So make sure you like and subscribe while you hop on this ride as we inform, persuade, entertain, and engage in discussion. Welcome to Pot Liquor Podcast, which is knowledge to feed your soul. I may go one half of Pot Liquor. I go by Dr. A, the inquisitive one. A great debater, Mr. Slow Talker, a rhetorician, and an all-around nice guy, and a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. The other half of Potlicker is my homie, my dear friend for more than 30 years, Ken Parker Jackson Esquire, the legal one, Mrs. Creativity, never obnoxious, the gifted one, a terrific lady, and a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Hey, what is going on, dear friend? We are back and hopefully better than ever. Yes, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everyone. I am well, my week was good. And how about you, Dr. A? How are you doing? Okay, so I just completed the second week in summer school with the students. They're enthusiastic. Um, and they're participating. And so that always makes for a delightful class. So shout out to my students. If you are listening um, to my public address students, don't forget <laughs> that you do have an assignment due on Friday. But with that being said, you know, I feel good. I feel healthy and it's great to be in the land of the living and Amen. those of you who are familiar with the show know we start off with our words of wisdom which is our wow for the week and we're back with reverend jesse jackson uh, who states it is time for us to turn to each other not on each other simply saying we need to stick together um and you know, not be a part, you know, conquer, divide and conquer is what they try to do. And when I say try, these various systems of the systemic racism. Um, so we need to support one another uh, to the best of our ability. And if we don't agree with what, with what someone's saying, uh, be Try to be, I don't know, kind or benevolent in your dismay of the other individual's uh, thoughts or ideas. Um, we don't need to bring each other down. What say you? Indeed. And we must put our differences aside, no matter what religion, sexual orientation, or socioeconomic status, we have to unite. And we have to rely on each other because we all we got. But the good news is we all we need to take our rightful place in, in this society as full human beings, enjoying all the rights and privileges afforded to us. Because nobody is coming to save us but us. Couldn't have said it better. <laughs> all right. Uh, and with that being said, we're going to jump in to our first plug of the day. Like 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 
Indeed. So today I would like to highlight something that we really like here in the Jackson household. And that is Heinz ketchup. Good old Heinz. <laughs> I mean, you have to have ketchup. If you have French fries, you must have ketchup. If you have a hamburger, you must have ketchup. And in the Jackson household, we take this very seriously. So, yes, this is something that we use a lot. And you know how you, those of us who like to dip our fries, you get like the little ramekin or the little small container and you put the ketchup in the container and dip. Well, yes, we we learned that a lot of times we waste ketchup with that because if you don't use it all, you kind of just throw it away. So guess what I found? I found little tops to put on the ramekin so you can actually use the ketchup the next time you have french fries. Waste not, want not. And also I make sure that I get, I'm very particular about ketchup without high fructose corn syrup because that stuff's not good for you. So I usually get the organic or just, you know, without the high fructose corn syrup. So yes, Heinz ketchup. Go get you some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I use I, I try because it has a lot of salt. I, I don't I use it very, very lightly, very yeah. lightly. And let us move on. So what's going on? Uh, what's been going on? What's happening in the world today or in our world? today? So let's jump into. What happened at Texas A&M University? Yeah, this is crazy. Yes, it is. So <laughs> full disclosure, those who listen and watch the podcast might know that um, I, I am employed by Texas A&M University. I also, that is my alma mater. I received my PhD from Texas A&M University and I lived in College Station. So. And this is really uh, in my department um, that this happened. Um, I'm in the Department of Com Communications and Journalism. Um, and so Dr. Kathleen McElroy, McElroy, I think it is. I oh, is that how you pronounce it? Okay. Yeah. I would have said McElroy. Yeah, I think it's McElroy. McElroy, okay. Yeah. Um, she is well what is was and and then now is again the head head heads up the journalism uh department at the university of texas um in austin and you know those of y'all that are into college sports know that university of texas texas a and m it's just a big uh in-state rival um so they were bringing her over she worked for the new york times she has her phd and she graduated from Texas A&M in 1981. So they made the hire. And those of you who are watching can see she, they had a big signing on campus like they do with the collegiate athletes when they sign to go to college. So they had this big to do things with balloons and everything out and she signed it. And then a outside <laughs> committee started to um, find out about you know, her doing some work with DEI, like research into that. Diversity, and so, equity, and inclusion. And inclusion. I'm sorry. Yes, thank you. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the government did away with you don't have to make any DEI hirings anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's amazing because I was on the DEI committee at Texas A&M and they were imploring us this whole committee that we had across the university is to make sure that there was diversity, equity, and inclusion. But Mm -hmm. oh, how things have changed. (laughs) I mean, you talking about two years later, two years later? Yeah, two years. Yeah, two and a half years later. This happened in 2021, I believe we were on that committee. So you were instrumental in bringing her on. No, I wasn't instrumental in bringing her on at all. Um, I can't take credit for that whatsoever. I knew about the recruitment of her um, and that she's super qualified. She worked at the New York Times, as I said. But then when they found out that some of her research, you know, her academic research falls under this category or this subject matter, they took the tenured position, track position away. They was offering her five years tenure track. Then they took the tenure track and just made it five years. And she was going to take that. Mm-hmm. And I guess they thought she was going to, since she was tenured at uh, UT, because usually your tenure follows you. Mm-hmm. I guess they said um, no. And they changed it from five years to one year contract. In an at-will contract. So those of y'all in the working uh, force knows that a one-year contract at-will means they can fire you without cause at any time. Mm-hmm. And so she didn't take that. And then she had to um, withdraw her resignation at the University of Texas to go back and, and stay there to work. And then so head started to move at Texas A&M, um, the Dean of Liberal Arts and Science, Dr. Bermudez, who is a Hispanic gentleman. And I'm making that case because he is a minority there. He, mm-hmm. he He's the one who sent those emails back and forth to her, kind of like trying to pull her coattails. I would say like, look, this is happening and I'm just trying to get you to protect yourself, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. She released those. So he wound up um, resigning from his position. And then just this past week, the president of the university, um, Banks, she said she was forced to re. She said she resigned, but she was forced to retire. So, um, so do you think the dean... And the president of the university resigned sort of in solidarity with um, Dr. McElroy or to sort of uh, voice their concerns or no, to quell, try to quell the situation because it made national news. So when it's an embarrassment to the institution. Uh, yeah. So I took it as them saying, I can I, I don't want to be affiliated with this university that would do something like that. I, I no longer want to be affiliated with Texas A&M, so I'm going to resign. I'm going to retire. That's how I took it. Do you think that's the case? Or no, especially the time with, just... not, not with the president. You know, she said she was forced to retire. She, oh, don't, okay. she doesn't like what's going on. And she said she didn't know 
that it was botched. And then she was trying to put it on the Department of Communications and, you know, journalism. And that just wasn't the case. And the head of that department, who I know pretty well, you know, put out a statement saying, like, she's trying to cast the blame on us when they had nothing to do with it. They made the hire. Exactly. And that's the impression that I got from the story. I kind of got the story. I mean, I kind of got the impression that the university, Texas A&M, was kind of caught in the middle between (laughs) between. so the, the the outside forces that were um, bringing this pressure to get rid of Dr. Mecca or to not hire Dr. McElroy. So they were, you know, the school was like, hey, we, we actually, obviously we highly respect this woman. Um, she has an amazing resume and basically experience that is directly on point with what is needed to head up the journalism program at Texas A&M. She has the requisite experience, the requisite knowledge, the requisite um, uh, education, and we, we highly respect her. And so this out, the out, the people outside of the university who applied this pressure to, you know, prevent her from being hired is what, caused Texas A&M to basically rescind the offer. I mean, because they ended up giving her an offer that she had to refuse. Like, why would some, why would a woman who is a tenured professor at the University of Texas at Austin, why would she give that up to come to a position where she could be fired at any time? Like that, they didn't even have the respect to offer her you know, a, a lateral position. In other words, going from one tenure position to another tenure position. So I'm not surprised that she went back and thank God, went back to the University of Texas at Austin well, and course, thank God that this position was still available for her to, you know, they, they allowed her to come back. You know what I mean? Of course yeah. she wasn't going to take the position. They, that's why they kept scaling the position down to force exactly. her to leave. They didn't want her to leave. They were like, well, we're still making the hire, but she is choosing not to come. Of course she's not going to choose oh, to come. And y'all know that. Everybody sees that. You're not going to, because all they were going to do is wind up firing her. You know? Right. So she did the right thing. So but it says, I think, right. Go ahead. It says right here, I think this is the Times article. It says Dr. Blanton, who, who's heart, Dr. Hart Blanton, said it appeared more scrutiny had been given to Dr. Uh, McElroy's hire because she is black and also says someone had altered a draft of a job offer, changing the offer of a multi-year term to one year, and sent it to Dr. McElroy without his knowledge, even though it still included his signature so they falsify information like this is what the head of the department wrote back to her and he didn't you know he said he had shared materials related to the failed hiring with the university lawyers on thursday and was pleased to see that dr banks had resigned now remember dr banks is the president right so and then you know i'm not trying to go down a rabbit hole but then they wonder why 
they don't get African-American students to come to the institution or it's hard to get black faculty there. But you're um, there. Yeah, I'm here, you yeah. know. Um, and we can get into that in a, no, a whole nother podcast. <laughs> oh, right. I'm there. But I, I'm I in mean, the classroom. Like, let, let it be known. Like, I, I, I love to teach, right, and spread knowledge and have discussions and things of that nature. Um, and A and M is quite a commute for me. Let let that be known too. To get up there, it's over an hour away. So, like, I you guess, have to really I'm, want to teach there to take I, that drive. Right? I'm saying like it's it's like you going on from the outside of DC on the on the Virginia side, traveling all the way to Baltimore or something to yeah. go teach a class at Morgan State and then turn around and come all the way back. How many miles do you have to drive when you go in? Ooh. Round trip. Probably 50. No. More than that? Yeah. A round trip? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, no. A round trip is like maybe 100, 160. Ooh, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a lot. It is. It is. It is. But I mean, I'm I'm just convinced that the governor of Texas wants Greg Abbott wants Texas to just be white. I mean, it just seems like black people are not going to be welcomed in any um, public universities because it's like it's it's a hostile environment. No, Especially, they told them go go to UT because it's more. One of the ladies said, "Well, she I think she would do better at UT because UT is a more liberal institution than." Um, Texas A&M. Okay. So this is what they're doing, you know. I mean, I just feel that that was, that's just flat out wrong to put this woman, she's minding her business, having a wonderful career and you put her through this for what? Like, it's disrespectful, number one. And number two, it's just flat out racist. I mean, I... And it's also disrespectful for the, to the people who hired her. Like the department, our department is sick yeah. over it. Right. You know? Yeah, because, yeah, that's the, again, that's the impression that I got because it says that Texas A&M is defending her as a superb professor, a veteran journalist, and a proven leader. That's why you guys hired her. But she's being labeled a DEI proponent. And again, they are in Texas there's just a general disdain, let's say, for diversity, equity, and inclusion programs. I mean, just that's just what it is. Yeah. That, and that's the law. That's the, the law in Texas. Action, yeah. Right. Yep. And let us move on. <laughs> From one story to the next, <laughs> this one was very, 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 very interesting for yeah. those who know about what happened and what went on with Miss Carly Russell. You know, this, Dr. A, before you give lay out the details here, this could go under something, something. Something, Amen. something just ain't right. <laughs> just ain't right. Uh, and... You do have it. I do have it. 
I mean, we weren't planning to make it that, but. I mean, tell him, Keith Sweat. It's obvious what ain't right. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> you wanna you wanna lay out the details of what happened here? Uh, we can both do it. So, okay. Carly Russell's a 25 year old. Is she a nurse or a nursing student? I think student. Okay. She is from, I believe, Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And so last week, I believe it was last Thursday, mm-hmm. she was missing for two days. Yes. You know, um, it appeared and, that she had been abducted. Right. <laughs> and so she said when they, when she returned home, her story was. Oh, no, wait. So before you get to the return home, do the 911 call. Oh, her yeah. The 911 <laughs> call with the toddler. Yeah. She saw she... walking on the side of the road. Right. You know, um, said like he, the toddler was like four or five years old. Wearing a t-shirt and it looked appeared to be wearing a diaper. No pants, yeah. but a diaper. And she made it sound really believable. I didn't believe that from day you one. Didn't? I don't know what toddler is gonna be walking on a deserted road like that. How are they getting there? We've had I've seen stories like that happen. Now I've seen toddlers walking out like on a busy street, like on a, a block like yours or mine. But not on a highway like on a highway. highway. It's walking down the highway, and that and I, I'm like the that toddler ain't gonna wander out into the road with a diaper on, like they know about traffic. <laughs> right, and the fact that she was the only person that saw that the saw toddler, the toddler. Yeah. like Come all on. these cars going by, she was the only person that saw the toddler. Now, called number one, right? And when so she then, said it was a kidnapping, I was like, okay, maybe something. It was a a bad kidnapping, you know. Uh, the the, the kid, <laughs> Jesus, I ain't mean to laugh. I'm I'm laughing because I think that the story's fraudulent. Um, well, yeah, we can laugh now because everybody's alive. Nobody's was found. Well, you know. there's no proof of the kid. No, right. It ain't nobody yes. find no kid. <laughs> we don't. We so you still don't know. Like, is it a kid? Because she she's probably saying, "Yo, I saw the kid." Like, she right. might still be saying that. Right. Right. Like, uh. It, and it's it that's a dangerous situation but then you know they did they she left her phone and everything in the car they did in her research, wig. yeah they did research into her phone and what she was looking up it just don't uh you know the amber alert do you have to pay for it do you have to alert? pay for the amber alert that's a smoking gun right there to me. Yeah, and then there was some other things she she was talking about and how to go missing or something like that. And it's just like, what Why? is something wrong with her? Well, this is the only thing that I think is going to absolve her of any guilt here is if she if if it's determined that she was suffering some type of mental illness mental right yeah. right because why else would you do something like this knowing that you could possibly uh harm any future black women or 
girls that may go missing. You know what I mean? Because people, you don't want people to always be skeptical if it appears that a black woman or a black girl is missing. And it's hard enough for us to get the type of attention that other people, other non-black people get if they are found, if they're, you know, missing or appear to have been abducted. So it's hard enough for black people in America without someone like Carly Russell, um, you know, making false uh, reports and, and false allegations about being kidnapped or abducted and, or what have you. And it just reminds me of the boy who cried wolf, only it's the girl who cried wolf. You know what I mean? Yeah, she so, looked at the movie uh, Taken. Taken, yeah. yeah. I mean, that this is not boding well for her at all. And it, it, it's not even... Did a sick... If you're doing all that, you had a horrible planning. To I with. mean, you're doing all this Googling and you your plan is still, still just fell apart. I mean, we, <laughs> you know what I mean? It, 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 this did not go well. This did not go well. So. Then the conversation was, would you have picked up the kid? And I'm like, no, I wouldn't have. I probably would have stayed close by and called the cops and said, hey, this is a child on this road. I'm on such and such. And this is what's going on. Um, Y'all need to come down here and get this kid. You know what? I just think that that's a sign of the times that we're living in and the world we're living in. You always have to kind of have a healthy dose of skepticism. And you may, you have to always think that this may be a setup. It's unfortunate because I think at our core, like we, we're all good people who want to help other people, you know, I think we all would be a good Samaritan if we did not have to worry about the setup. You know, it's like you always feel like this is a setup from the get up. And so you don't want to get out of your car. Because remember that the one they the um the setup they used to do where they would like hit your car like a fender bender and get you to get out yeah. and then you get jumped or they carjack you or something like that so you have to be extra careful these days and you're thinking to yourself why would this baby be out here alone wandering like you said on the side of the road on a busy highway and you're like this can't be real and so i can see why you say i would not get out and pick the baby up i really do but as speaking from the perspective of of a mother a woman you see a baby your immediate intuition your immediate reaction inclination is to help the baby you're gonna pick but the baby up. i don't i don't i don't think that's just a maternal thing i think any adult like even if you 16 or 17 years old if you seeing a child with a diaper on that's danger to me because you like this child isn't even potty trained so they don't have the awareness not to go into the street or not you don't want to get. I, I, I slow down when I see kittens crossing the street. I don't want oh, them to get hit by the truck. I slow down when I see squirrels run in front of my car. So yeah, I get it. Yeah, but I squirrels got some. They got experience of dodging traffic. <laughs> <laughs> At least those have made it right. So I, I just thought, like, to do this is just. 
I don't even thought her. I didn't even think her parents believed her. They didn't. I mean, people were saying that when they were on TV and they were, you know, talking about it, they weren't like super upset or in distraught that, that she was missing. They were just like, you know, kind of nonchalant about it. And so they probably knew this girl up to her tricks again. Now, Carly, here, here she go again. What was wrong with her? That's probably what they were thinking. Yeah, I know. But the thing about this, this one got real serious. So we still, they're still investigating the situation to see what's going to happen with her. It seems like she might be on the road to the penitentiary. This is why, and this or, is also. Or some probation or something. Right. Because they have to discourage this behavior. Um, but what was I about to say? Uh, I, I I would just say the bottom line is I think we're all happy that she was in fact safe and she's alive and she's at home with her family, you know, cause I think she had all of us out here like arguing, like, why don't black women and girls get the same attention that everybody else gets and she had us you know this is why this is an example of why sometimes you kind of have to wait and just let things play out until we all have you know definitive information about what exactly is going on before we start trying to advocate on behalf of black people because i understand the um the urge to do that and the need to do that because black people do need advocacy and we do have to advocate um, on our behalf. But sometimes you do have to kind of lay back and wait for all the facts to come out before you start the advocacy, right? And let us move on. Okay. Still, while we waiting on the outcome of Carly Russell, we're going to jump into Afro Man. His house got raided by the police. Yeah, so this happened like last year, actually, like August of, of last year, where the police in Ohio raided uh, Afro Man's house and afro man is a rapper whose real name is joseph foreman and he's known he's probably um most known for his hit called because i got high you got a little bit of that for us <laughs> oh my goodness i don't have it queued up you don't have it queued up try to find no. it while we talking about it Okay. Um, so, yeah, his house got ready. I think, what, $400 got stolen? Well, he he had alleged that the police had stolen $5,000 from him, but they, quote, unquote, supposedly returned it to him. He said when they returned him the $5,000, though, $400 were missing. So, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So, so the he, bottom he line, got $4,600. Right. $600 <laughs> of that $5,000 back. Yes. And um, so they raided his house last August on suspicion of drug trafficking and kidnapping. But of course, they found no evidence of any of this and they filed no charges against him. So 
he claimed he's claiming that the police kicked down his door. Yeah, he's trying his, to sue them. Yeah. Broke his video surveillance system. Um, and you know, as you said, stole his money and frightened his family. So instead, you know, and it, the thing about it is and he's using yeah. he's using the video footage in one of his songs, like in a video, and he's getting some slack for that. Right. And so that's he's he didn't get mad about this raid on his property when he had done nothing wrong and there was no evidence of any wrongdoing and no charges. He didn't get mad. He just got even. Like you said, he took the video from his video surveillance system and used it in his music video. So he wrote a song about a funny rap song about these police and kind of, you know, were uh, it was more of satire. He was teasing them and um, he was using the money from the proceeds of that to pay for the damages that happened to his property. Because I think he said it was like $20,000 damaged. It caught, you know, that was done. And um, he had to, he had to repair his door, uh, uh, an external gate and his security system wiring. He had to replace all of that. And it costs a lot of money. And you, you know, like if the police make a mistake and do a raid on your property, they destroy your property. There's no recourse. Like they don't have to pay for it. That should be a, there should be a law against that. So, I didn't think that was in every state. Well, I know in this state, in this state, that that's how he was able to get the money for it. You know, using mm -hmm. the footage from the, the security camera and everything. So they the police are clapping back and they're saying that they um it's four deputies and two sergeants and one detective from the Adams County Sheriff's Office in um Ohio they're accusing the rapper of profiting from the unauthorized use of their likenesses um, at their professional and personal expense. So he's using their likenesses without their authority in his music video and he's making money off of it. And they're saying because of this, they're receiving death threats and they're suffering humiliation, ridicule, mental distress, embarrassment, and the loss of their reputation. So they want all of the money that Afro man is making off of these videos and off of his music. And he's even doing merch. I mean, he's made a whole business out of this mishap. Yeah. And um, you know what he's doing? Again, counter suing the police for, hey, you, hey, but you stole my money. Right. So I want my money. I'm counter suing for defamation because you said I'm kidnapping people and I there's no evidence of kidnapping. So you messed me up in my industry. People looking at me sideways because you said I'm a kidnapper. So I'm suing you back. And Listen, he said, me laughing at them and making songs about them is more powerful than their authority. And I love it. This to me is like a classic David versus Goliath story. You know what I mean? And I love it that he's been able to really get even with them. Um, and it appears that he's winning so far. So I just think it's so unfair for police to damage your property and you have no recourse, even if it's a mistake. So, and, and my thing is how, how are they going to sue him for invasion of privacy? Because he 
captured them on his video camera. If you come onto my property, legally, it seems to me, you have no reasonable expectation of privacy. You're on my property. This is my video camera. You see what I'm saying? So if I go onto your property and record you, then yes, I see that as an invasion of privacy. But vice versa, you're on my property, my video catches you. Whatever I do with the video is that's just your problem. Too bad. Shouldn't have been on the property. So what do you think? No, I concur with everything you said. Um, <laughs> I think it was smart of him to do what he is, what he's doing. Yes. Uh, and let us move on. All right. So we're coming into... Our second plug of the day, which is our brand. And we've done this brand before, but we're going to bring it back. We're going to give a shout out to Rhodes. This is uh, Rhodes Pod, Mike. This is one of their products. This is the, Ro this is the Rogue Caster. The road cast is what we do the show with. That's where the magic happens. That's where we do the music and the open and control the mics and everything. Mm-hmm. Both Kim and I have the pod mic. Pod mic. Mm -hmm. um, oh, we have the arm too. You can see that right there. She has hers and I have mine. So yeah, shout out. Shout out to Rose. Okay. And let us move on. All right, so we have a special guest coming in today. Her name is Layla Jackson. Welcome to Pot Liquor Podcast. I'm so glad to be here. We're happy to have you. <laughs> and we do have uh, Layla's book up, Quiet Confessions in Loud Rooms. So welcome aboard. It's nice to have you. This is my first time meeting you. I am Dr. A. Your aunt is my good buddy. And she's told me a lot about you. So you introduce yourself to our audience, you know, your background and, you know, whatever you feel is important for them to know. Okay. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Layla Jackson. I am going into my senior year in college. I am a psychology major with a minor in English. I have been writing since I was 11. So it's been 10 years now. I published my first book of short stories when I was 18. Then my second book of a collection of poetry I've been writing since I was 15 when I was 19. And I'm now actively working on my first chapter book with my third book. I've also been published in my previous school's Marymount Blue Ink Creative Writing Magazine. I published a short story and I tied for a literary award. And I also published a poem in that um, magazine as well. 
Um, I also play a couple instruments, but my favorite is piano. Um, yeah, I write about whatever comes to me, things I've experienced, things I haven't experienced, things I want to experience. So, yeah. Tell us your institution you attend right now. I go to University of Maryland Global Campus. Okay. Yep. So what would you say um, inspired you to to start writing? Was it therapeutic? Did you find in school that you were naturally gifted in writing? What made you actually start or was writing? it just an outlet for you? Yeah. Yeah, I just always loved English. It's always been my favorite subject. And this is like such an anticlimactic story that I always tell. But when I was in sixth grade, I was so bored in class because I had finished all my work and I was just kind of sitting there. And I was like, when I go home, I want to write a story. And that was pretty much it. It was no like lead up, but I found it to be very therapeutic, to be like an outlet to just express my feelings and the things that are going on around me. Like I talk a lot about um, politics too in my writing and also about like relationships and love and stuff like that. So it just started because I just wanted to, but it's slowly become a thing of me expressing myself when I don't always have the best way to put it in terms of me speaking. Like I could put it in ways of another character saying it that I feel like I can verbalize it better versus it coming from Layla, you know? Okay. So do you write every day or do you write uh, when you when the inspiration hits you? Definitely when inspiration hits. I try to write every day, but I find myself getting frustrated. So I was like, I'll go like three months without writing. Then one day I get the inspiration too and I kick out like, 5,000 words in one sitting. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have a writing ritual? Do you like to be in a quiet place? Do you like to be in nature? Do you like to have a hot cup of tea? Like, what, what's your, your process for writing? Basically, I just go in my room. I close my door, turn my TV off, and I have, like, some rain sounds that I play on my phone. And you know, I take off all my jewelry, all my bracelets, and just kind of sit there. I usually stare at the wall for too long just trying to like get everything together right i just jump right into it okay mm -hmm. so tell us about your latest book of poetry lot what is it quiet confessions in loud rooms tell us uh what was the inspiration for this book um uh tell us how you came up with this title and also tell us a little bit about the cover art and who the artist is it's beautiful Okay, so the cover art was made by my uncle Warren. He's a painter, but when um, one night I was just I hadn't written anything in a while, and I was like, I want to write another poem. And it was like three in the morning. I just laid down. I was trying to like get the words together, and I was like, I speak loudly in quiet rooms or quietly speak. I just couldn't really get together. Then I came up with quiet confessions and loud rooms. I was like, let me write that down before I forget, because I know by the time the morning comes, I'm going to forget. So I kind of forgot about it after I wrote it down. Then a couple of days later, I was talking about wanting to compile a book of poetry because at first I hated writing poetry. It was so hard for me because mm. I, thought I always had to rhyme. I'm not good at rhyming at all. So I was just like struggling with it for the longest. Then I joined a writing club when I was in 10th grade. It was mm. a poetry club. And our teacher was a drama teacher. She really just helped us express ourselves without feeling so limited to forms and rhyming and all kinds of stuff like that. She just let us do a lot of free form writing, which really helped me progress and become better and fall in love with poetry. 
So that's how I came up with the book. And then when I was trying to figure out, like, how can I just give a single name to, I think, 70 poems? How can I summarize that? And I was just trying to find a generalized, like, broad term, a broad title for it. Then I found what I had written, like, three in the morning. And I was like, oh, my God, that's a perfect, you know, expression for it. So for the cover art, I wanted something very simple, but something in black and white as well, because it's like, I found myself writing alone in my room for hours at a time, typically in the dark. <laughs> usually have light, yeah. You know, so it was just like, I wanted that simple, but aesthetic kind of feel to it, where it's just very quiet, but have that one piece of light just kind of zoning in on, you know, but just yeah. my walls or sometimes my lamp is on if I choose to have it on, but just something very dull with just a spark of color, which yeah. <laughs> nice. So, can you do you mind reading one of your poems for us? Maybe what your your favorite one? Sure. I have to find, I have so many in here. And tell us what page because I'm going to read along. <laughs> I don't have page numbers in this. Oh, you don't. No, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Tell is, me the is, is the book self-published? Yes, it's pu published on Amazon. Okay. We're going to share the link to purchase the book. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Wait, it's so many, I'm sorry. Well, that's okay, take your time. Okay, so this one is under the section. It's under the, oh my gosh. Under the section five, we will not be silenced. Okay. And the name of the poem? Thanks for nothing. Okay. Let yeah. us hear it. Yes. Okay. So I wrote this one when I was in my 10th grade and we had to have a bullying assembly. So this one's about bullying. Eight. Eight years old is the youngest I've ever heard of a person, or should I say child, has committed suicide due to bullying. Every time I have to say this, it hurts more and more to say I'm tired of seeing these kids hurting with thoughts so loud but a voice so mute. But every time they speak up they're silent, told that they are just overreacting, that the kids were just playing, that it's all fun and games and to let children be children but why at my child's expense? Last time I checked children being children didn't consist of being told how ugly or worthless or fat they were. Being told that they were better off dead. Being told that no one loved them and helped them to believe it. But no, I am no longer just looking at the children. No, I am now looking at the silent teachers who have sat there and heard the insults. Told the broken young student that sticks and stones may break their bones, but words will never hurt them. They saw the pushing and the isolation. And the only thing they chose to do was turn around. How dare you turn around? The worst thing you could have done was turn around. I hope when you turn around to the next child, you see their body laying limp and lifeless in front of you, their eyes boring into yours with tears still somehow streaming, with a mouth still somehow sobbing, with hands still reaching and asking, why did you turn around? I hope you don't try to escape it. 
I hope everywhere you turn, you see every child that you turn from. I hope you see their bodies, rows and rows of their young bodies laying in front of you asking for help. Are you still going to tell them that sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you? Don't tell me you didn't know. Don't tell me you tried to help. You are my child's future. Why are they writing suicide notes before double digits? You are my child's future. Did they even have one from the beginning or were they doomed from the start? Sticks and stones do break bones and words will forever hurt. Wow. That was beautiful. Oh, thank you. So I, I have a question. Um, we, we share in common uh, the love of writing. Um, but my question to you, where do you plan to take this or where do you hope your writing journey takes you? I don't know. I've always wanted to have like New York's bestselling, you know, in the back of one of my books. But it's more or less, I, for some reason, I've always wanted my writing to be like those things you read in standardized tests that you have to like break apart and understand okay. the underlying meaning. I don't know why I've always wanted that dream to just be able to have my book in a standardized test. <laughs> you know, that that's interesting because just the other day in class, we were talking about standardized tests mm. and I was talking about like the reading and the reading and the comprehension and how sometimes just in that section, there are um, biases, you know, mm -hmm. um, because of the material you read. Because I'm a believer of if you're more interested into the story, you're going to focus more on the story and you're going to recall and remember more of the story mm -hmm. and what it's about. So when they're talking about a, a piece of artwork, you know, it could, you know, and you don't know anything about it, it could be a black, it could be Basquiat, it could be even a black, you know, if you didn't grow up knowing or studying art or you didn't grow up studying this great symphony uh, musician like Yo-Yo Ma, who I remember who plays the cello. I remember that was on my SAT mm -hmm. story. And it just so happens that I had read about him in one of our classes before that came on. So I was familiar and I feel even though I didn't get the exact test results back that I feel like I answered every one of those questions correctly because I was interested in the story. So I think they need more stories, cultural stories that are more diverse. So I I, I like that as a goal and objective. And I and I um I wish you, you know, the best of luck with that. Thank you so much. Indeed. So what advice would you give to young people such as yourself who may uh, want to write but have writer's block or they don't know where to start? Is there any advice that you would give them? That there's no one perfect way to write. I see a lot of like not good advice being passed around. Like if you want to write, you have to write like this on this timeline, on these days, with this exact word count. And it puts you in a box. Writing is so creative and it should not be as restrictive as so many people think it is. You can start writing a story in the middle of the story. You can start writing at the climax or at the end. There's no one perfect way to write it, you know? So just let go of those restrictions and write however you want to write. That's great advice. 
thank you. <laughs> so you can see we have the link to her Amazon page at the bottom of the screen. Um, if you can copy that or take a picture with your phone um, and put it in the URL, then you know you can order her book and support her. Yes, please. Please, it's do well so. worth it. Yes. So before we let you get out of here, is there anything you want to share about the chapter book that you're working on now? Do you have a working title? Can you tell us what it's going to be about? Okay, so the working title, I actually started writing it when I was, I think, 11, but then I stopped because it was terrible. So I picked it back up. <laughs> I rewrote everything, but it's called See Me, Feel Me. So this one is different than my first two books. It's a lot darker. It's basically about a young girl who is cursed with this kind of black magic to kill people every time she looks at them. Wow. So she has to live with this abusive witch who doesn't see her as a person, but more as a weapon of mass destruction mm -hmm. and pretty much do her bidding as she's still trying to find her own identity and go through high school. So she ends up meeting another guy who also has powers like her as she's trying to break away from the cycle of abuse that her mother is putting her through, while also feeling like she has to do it because she was only made to be a weapon of destruction and not her own person. So it's a little darker, got a little bit of magic, not too much magic. That's I love that. I love that genre. It reminds me of Afrofuturism, oh, yeah. like an Octavia Butler, yeah. whom I love. And so I can't wait to read it. Yeah, thank you. I can't wait to <laughs> Thank you. Indeed. Okay. Okay. Anything else you want to tell Layla before we let her get out of here, Dr. A? Anything, Auntie? What did you say? I said anything else you want to say to Layla before nah, we let just her get best out of here. of luck and keep keep writing. It's sometimes it's a lonely journey. Uh, but if you're a person that doesn't mean uh doesn't mind being alone with their thoughts. It's a health healthy journey, and I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people. So again, nice to meet you. Best of luck, and just every time you publish something, let us know, and we'll put up put it up on our podcast. I definitely will. Thank you guys so much for having me. All right, so let's give Thank it up you. for Miss Layla Jackson. She's amazing. Uh, she is. She definitely is. <laughs> has the energy, has the spunk, has the creativity, has everything. So yes. That is good to know. And with that being said, trying to find this. <laughs> Come on. Let us move on. Come on, Erica. Erica Badu with the Badu-isms. We have a question. It's a question. Address the question. This is a question. So what's the question? Answer the question. So the question for today is, 
If a plane crashed between the United States and Canada, where do they bury the survivors? Again, the question for the week is, if a plane crashed between the United States and Canada, where do they bury the survivors? Do you know? Yes, that is the question. And last week's question was... Ooh. <laughs> yeah, so many up here now. <laughs> question twenty-five, right? Yeah, they don't have these in place. I know, I know, I know. Last week's question: What was it? Twenty-five. What breaks and never falls, and what oh, yeah. falls and never breaks? I don't know the answer to that. What's the answer? Um, what was the answer to that? <laughs> let me look. Let me Google it. Temperature? Uh, I would say temperature. That would be my guess. What no, I can't do it on it. It will never breaks. It will. Let me do it on here. Oh, it's night. Yes. Night. Okay. Yeah. Night falls and never breaks. But what breaks and never falls? Night All right, night. so that was the 25th question. We just had question 26. If a plane crashed between the United States and Canada, where do they bury their survivors? I know the answer, but I'm not going to say it. I'm going to let you guys guess. We're not supposed to. I know. <laughs> All right, so... What are we talking about next? And let us move on. Yes, so today we want to highlight Reverend Richard Allen. Reverend Richard Allen was a minister, educator, writer, and one of the United States' most active and influential Black leaders. He was born on February 14, 1760 in Delaware, and in 1794, he founded the African Methodist Episcopal Church, the first independent Black denomination in the United States. He opened his first AME church in 1794 in Philadelphia. Reverend Allen linked abolition to patriotism and recognized that, quote, Black freedom was the true barometer of the success of American democracy. Reverend Richard Allen, our little known Black history fact.
Topic talk. This is a category that uh, segment, I should say, that we are working on. We got to come up with a better name for it. And any of our listeners can help us out. Please email us at potlickershow at gmail.com with a suggestion. Uh, then I'll come up with some intro music to it. But I do like this Jungle Brothers beat. You know, I, I might even play it a little bit more. This was one of my favorite beats growing up because it was very creative at the time. Didn't it? All right. Topic talk of the day, Kiki. Uh, what, isn't that that Drake song? Hey, Kiki, are you riding? Uh-huh. Okay. Hey, so. All right. So I'm sure by now a lot of people know about what went on with uh, Kiki. If you are watching, you see the picture of her at the uh usher concert with mm -hmm. her sheer dress on and uh with the booty i guess that's on. a thong <laughs> in the back and her her booty <laughs> showing under the sheer i guess she was like i'm gonna show my booty but i'm gonna be classy and she has a nice shape i must say okay say so 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 darius um and i hope i'm spelling his name right uh, I saw it spelled mo multiple ways. That's her boyfriend, and he is the father of the new, pretty much newborn. Yeah. Because I don't even think the baby's one yet. No. And he has something to say about it on social media, and then after that, he was excoriated. Let, let me let me let me put more emphasis on it. He was torched <laughs> Molly by his comments. And so, <laughs> Molly Wop, yes, that's even better. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a while. He got Molly Wop. Um, <laughs> and, you know, me and my partner, we, we both feel like, I guess this should have been private business. Mm -hmm. um, but okay. when you open it to the public, that means you want public opinion, and he got it. But again, it's like John Morant. This is how the young people do. Like, they put everything on social media anyway. So that's just... Not all young people. Well, yeah. many of them. I mean, they operate in this world, but I would think that things that are private should remain private. You would think, yes. I, I didn't like the excoriation of the young man. Okay, well, let's, first of all, let's talk about what he tweeted. Can we do that? Go ahead, you got okay. that. Okay, so he said, we live in a generation where a man of the family doesn't want the wife and mother to his kids to showcase booty cheeks to please others, and he gets told how much of a hater he is. This is my family and my representation. I have standards and morals to what I believe. I rest my case. Then he said, it's the outfit though. You a mom. Mm -mm. Totally out of order. What did he do? What did he go and say that for? Like, really? 
I don't think he was. I don't think he was out of order. I think he should have said that to her. Everybody else jumping in. It's you have a right to your opinion. Yes. Um, but he has a right to his. So mm. to say that he's wrong, no, that's he. If that's how he thinks, and as you and I in the pre-production saying like. When you link up with somebody, hopefully, like, you're courting them long enough to know them and what they do. Now, I did go look at, while researching this, I saw that Kiki Palmer, they had, like, top, I believe it was top 12 hottest outfits that she wore. That was the only outfit she wore that was that revealing. She had one that showed her back out and it showed the top of her, how do I say this the right way? Buttock split. <laughs> the crack of her <laughs> ass. The crack of her ass. <laughs> <laughs> it showed the t- very, very top of that. Um, that's where a lot of women, well, not a lot, but that's where people put their tramp stamp. They have, might have like a tattoo. If right they there. have a tattoo and it, yeah. yeah, I don't even like why. Why is it even called a? That's just what they call it. I mean, yeah. Um, but you know, it's and everything else was n- nicely, you know. Dre- but this time, you know, I guess she was going to an Usher concert, and you know, she had a baby not too long ago um, and i don't know kiki palmer and i don't know what's in her head but it, one of her thoughts could have been like i feel good i bounced back from carrying a, a baby i'm not ashamed of my my body so i'm going to flaunt it and you know i don't i think he's saying like that should be for my eyes only and a lot of women feel like well, she can do whatever she wants to. When people make that comment, I say, no shit, she can do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's a, she, she does have control over her own body. But what, what comes into play to me is like, okay, now you're a unit. There's certain things you're not going to do to disrespect your family, right? And l- let's get off, off of the clothing. You know, you don't want to be out in the street drunk uh, or be on video cursing out an older lady or knocking an old lady out at the grocery store. You don't represent, you're not just representing yourself now. You're representing your family. He had a problem with the dress, you know. Um, He was saying, as a mother, you shouldn't be dressed like that. Now, I don't know if they had conversation prior to this but if they set boundaries like that then he has a right to say that he can voice his opinion people are you trying to control her we don't know them and most of us don't know them he just stated something with his boundaries and what he doesn't like and while he can't feel that way without getting crapped on you know i i was expect, and you did hear some people in support of him. So I don't want to make it feel like it was everybody against him, but it was a good 95% to 5%. (laughs) Okay. Well, all right. 
So I'm I'm going to tell you why I think he was just flat out wrong. Number one, his first mistake was criticizing the mother of his child publicly. We, we already talked about that. That was mistake number one. But I'm going to say from a woman's perspective that having a child is the closest a woman will come to death. And I'm talking about a, a, an otherwise healthy woman, the closest you're going to come to death is when you have a child. And especially black women who are three times more likely to die during or shortly after childbirth. So I feel if a new mom wants to go out and shake a tail feather, then that's what she should do. She, I, I believe a woman who has, has just had a child should be able to do whatever they need to do to take care of themselves mentally and physically after delivery. And I believe that their partners should indulge them to, you know, there, there's limitations on that. Granted, there's limitations on that. But in my humble opinion, I don't think having a fun night out with your girls and grinding on Usher a little bit is going too far. It was fun. She probably wanted to get out, get away from the baby. And I think women are entitled to that. I mean, having a baby is hard. It's like I said, the postpartum depression is real. The baby blues, that's real. And if you need to just go hang out with your girls and have a wild, crazy, fun night within reason, and I guess that's going to be different for everybody, then I say more power to you. And the thing that I don't like about what he said, it's the outfit though. You are mom. I think that that is riddled with just judgment. It's very judgmental. Like who made you the mom police? You don't get to decide what, you know, what motherhood means to women. I mean, women get to define motherhood for themselves. Now, if you want uh, your wife or you, the mother of your child to have a turtleneck on and a, a skirt, long skirt down to the floor or a moo-moo or a, a potato sack, then that's the kind of woman you should get with. But you decided that you wanted to be with Kiki Palmer, the fire brand, the like, the pistol. Kiki, everybody knows Kiki Palmer is a piece of work. She not only beautiful and super talented, you picked a, you picked an actor, you picked a celebrity. There's a lifestyle that come, comes with that. So what are you going to do if she decides to play a particular role? Like, are you going to be like, well, you shouldn't be playing that role because you're a mother. Like, seriously, like stop trying to put limitations on women. Let people be who they are. Again, this is a woman that you pick. So you're going to have to just sit back and chill and let her be who she is. Like, stop. It's Usher. Like, she really going to, like, run off with Usher. Like, to me, it's like you're showing your insecurity. Like, Man. don't go and sit down. Like, you a mom, though? Don't you? Have you ever heard of MILF? M-I-L-F? Like, there's some beautiful women that are moms. Like, stop. Let her... If she wants to show her body, if she wants to have her booty cheeks out, I don't have a problem with it. It's not, I mean, it wouldn't be me because that's just not how I roll, but I would never 
judge another mom. Being a mom is hard. This is hard work. And that's why I am very careful about judging other women. I don't judge. People are out here doing the best that they can. I can promise you she's thinking about her baby while she's out. Like this is this is why I was I was great. That's I was giving you I I was giving you time, but I'm sorry. I gotta gotta cut me off now. No, I no, because I gotta jump in because I I don't I didn't think you you were gonna stop. You keep going into it. And I just I disagree. You this is what when, when you debate, when we debate and people take things to the opposite end. Like if you say to somebody like, yeah, you you making all, all that money, you don't need that to buy, you know, three Bentleys, right? And you telling one of your friends, and then they say, What you want me to go buy a two thousand dollar hoopty? You going all the way to the end of the spectrum, like there's nothing sexy in between that. Like you go from a potato sack, I mean from <laughs> a ass out uh, cheer dress to a potato sack in a moo-moo. Like there ain't a lot of stuff in between that that she could wear. Like I said, they showed twelve of her sexiest dress, and they were all sexy. Now, that that's one, right? Mm-hmm. Going into you, you, you're going into motherhood and saying like all those statistics about uh, black maternal mortality is true. You know, my girlfriend, we had her on here. She researches that. Yes. That's one of her specialties, right? But some people will respond and say to that, like, well, you have to have your ass out to celebrate your body. If that's what yeah, you want to do. But, but no, if no, and I, it's, there's nothing wrong with what she wants to do. But what, you, what y'all fail to re- realize is that when you come together as a union, there's a lot of things you discuss. And he might not like that. And he has a right not to like that. And he has the right to tell her he doesn't like that. Now, she could say, well, prior to this, like say they had, to, I'm going to wear what I want to wear. Then he has to have the decision to say, okay, I can't really rock with you. And there's nothing wrong with having that. There's nothing wrong with not wanting to. Because I tell people all the time, when you go out as a man and with your woman and you go places and you wear stuff revealing like that. Now, Kiki Palmer might have uh, security with her so nobody won't violate her or anything like that. Right. But when you, you go out... Her, you touch her or anything. Yeah, right. If you go out with your man like that, to me, y- you put him in jeopardy to have to address some inebriated fool that's looking at her behind now and that can people say well that can happen if she wore a regular dress yeah it can but to me the more you reveal the more of a chance somebody might say something are you definitely going to get the looks right and then you have to defend your woman's honor you uh, if you walking with her and you start saying well I, I told you not to put that on so that's what you get and then she mad at you the rest of the night you didn't come to protect my honor <laughs> you know and then and I, I would say to women all the time think about your spouse you know, and I know guys on hand like I ain't worried about it. Let a dude step up. Okay, even if you big enough to knock a dude out, there are repercussions that come with that. Now you all jammed up and might have a felony on your record because of this. And don't tell me things like this can't happen because they can. No, I my whole that. thing. He, I don't think he's trying to control women or trying to tell women what they are trying to be possessive. He's just saying like. I wish you would share that with me only. 
Let so Jasmine, we didn't see her leave the house in the outfit. I don't. We don't. We don't. We don't know that. And if I he, know she didn't oh, put it in a bag and leave the house. We with don't some know. Jeans we don't know where she was. The usher showing till late at night. So she is a grown. We don't know if she left doing the. I'm. I'm thinking. I don't know if they live in Vegas or they live in California. Well, I think you're they, probably right. I mean, I'm sure she didn't wear that on the plane. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. She packed it. She wore. It. I don't know. But what I'm saying is. Wow. Why a young man can't have boundaries? Now, I do agree with you. He would have served himself better if he had it as a private conversation. But then some people will say, well, she wore it out in public. Everybody saw it in public. So he addressed her in public. I believe to the, the, the fact that he said this publicly is manipulative because she may feel embarrassed and humiliated that her man is like like you said excoriating her publicly so what is that going to do in his mind that might discourage her from putting him in this position again where he's got to state something publicly so it's manipulative because it's saying okay i bet you she won't wear that again because if she does i'm gonna say something about it so i think it's manipulative he's using a public forum to shame her into not wearing anything this revealing ever again. And to me, I got a problem for that. Don't be trying to, that's where the control comes in. Don't be trying to control that, you, me like you, that you, frame it, me. you frame it like he's shaming her. I frame it you like think she felt good about him saying that about no, her. Brother? I just think he addressed the situation. Do you think he, obviously he didn't feel good about her wearing that dress. Out of order. I think that's out of order. And I wouldn't be surprised why, if you put a strain. Why do we dump on him, though? Right? And nobody said one thing about uh, Kiki Palmer. Like, when Chance the Rapper was in the Caribbean or wherever he was, and he was dancing up on that lady who had a thong out, and he was dancing on her. Like, he had on his clothes fully. Black Can woman I just say, if that was my man, I wouldn't have a problem with it. If yeah, that I know, was my but, man, because you know what? I know where my man going to come okay. back. He's going to come right back okay. home. Okay, but that's you as one individual in this world, period. And I know he's just out having fun. So, like. But what? But but the thing about it is this guy had a problem with it. You're saying, I don't mind. And plus, I know your man, too. He ain't doing that. <laughs> but <laughs> Probably not. But that's why I picked him. But that's what I'm saying. Darius picked her. Darius picked Kiki did, Palmer. For real? He, like, you didn't know? Wait, 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 wait. wait. Have you ever seen? I, now, I haven't. They said there are other pictures out there if she had a booty out. I haven't seen it. And I put Kiki Palmer dresses, and I Googled it and put images. She wears some beautiful clothes. And you're right. She's a beautiful young lady, super yeah. talented, great smile. Seems like she's a pleasant, a joy, and everything. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying, and I'm not saying she can't wear the dress. My whole thing is like, why are they going off on her? Now, I would say, I, I we're in agreement on this. That's a private discussion. Um, but I, but I tell you this: if my girl wanted to wear that, that's fine. I would say this though: take security with you. <laughs> yeah, she. I'm sure she has security. Right, like everybody, I can't afford. That. So you can't afford security because I agree. If you're walking down the uh, the street with a bathing suit on a bikini, men don't have a right to come up to you and touch you, but they're going to say things to you that might irritate you or annoy you. Um, you can't be surprised at that. Now, I don't know if that happened to her, 
at all. But he was like, wow, you showing like you you said the other day, like men feel like they possess it. And maybe and I was thinking about that in some sort of way. You you're right on that. But I don't think it possessing they possess it in a way where it's negative. That's like, mine. Like when you oh. when you when you being romantic with your your lady, right? Or with your man, sometimes there are comments made. Is this mine? You know, and you like, yeah, it's yeah. all your right. Exactly. So I think it was in that way. And this is just this is a subjective opinion. I'm <laughs> uh I I'm you know, I could be totally wrong on that. You know, I, I don't know how, if he's controlling or possessing. I don't know about insecurities. Like, how he's a good-looking guy. I mean, he pulled Kiki Palmer. So yeah. it's not like, you know, you, you, the star, oh, it's Usher, blah, blah, blah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I wouldn't, like I said, if that was my, she was dancing with Usher, I, I'd videotape it and give right. it to him. He could post it. And right, people call just, me I, It's not, but that's me. I'm aware of innocent, who I am. It's just I, innocent fun. That's all. I know a lot of men don't think that way. Like if she was doing something wrong, why would she record it and then post it? Like she No, she didn't of, think she was doing anything wrong. So it, to me, they there's some breakdown in the communication. Yeah. Because some men would not like what she did. Like a lot of men, I heard a lot of men say, I don't she wait, she and then calling her all kinds of names and stuff like that. Like Corey Hope. You, uh, you also, but you, then you also have men who are like proud of the 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 way their women look or maybe proud of their women's bodies or whatever. Right. And so they right. they they are okay with them wearing clothes that highlight their figure or that accentuate the positive uh, parts of their body that the men may like. And they're, they, you know, they can look and say, yeah, that's my man. I mean, that's my woman. That's my wife. Doesn't she look good kind of thing. So it's not always just men who are like, you don't need to wear that out in public. I don't want people looking at you or whatever. Some men are proud to see their women wearing certain clothing that sort of reveals their figures or, you know, shows their shape and shows how beautiful they are. So they can puff their chest out and be like, yeah, that's my woman. That's my wife. She's going to come home with me. You can, you can, but, look, that, but, don't but that's touch. possessive How too. That's my woman. That's my wife. That's possessive too, right? Yeah, but not to the point where you're going to try to dictate what she's wearing. I don't think he it's did the that. Opposite. Dictating I, what he's wearing, what somebody's wearing is always telling them, don't put this on, don't wear it. This is a doctor. Hey, she, he said the outfit though. You that's one outfit though. So he that's said, "Don't outfit. wear that outfit. You are mom. That's not dictating what she." No, choosing. that's dick. That's when you to me when you that's dictating that particular outfit. That doesn't mean he dictates every outfit. That's why. I, are you serious? So I have a pro, when we when we label. It's like when somebody says something racist, right? We say straight up, "Oh, he a racist or she a racist." Mm -hmm. I said, "No, nah, it has to be. This is just me." This is no study. This is <laughs> Dr. A's opinion only. I am not quick to call and label that person a racist. I said he did something that's racial and it has racist undertones. 
Or but can I the statement know, be racist? Right. The statement is statement. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Be, now, if you're habitual with habitual with these statements, then yeah, you are racist. But if you said something one time, I'm not the same thing. I'm not going to do that to you. So that's why I'm not going to call him a dictator or a controller because I don't know what's going on in that house. He may well be. But, but I'm but just here, saying here, he but, was but, unsatisfied. Let me tell you a person who makes racist statements is racist. That's just like that's just like a pedophile saying, "Ooh, that child," or a person saying, "That child looks, uh, that child looks attractive to me." I, you know, you would do you, never. Do you think Tiffany would you had? Say, would you say that's a a pedophilic? Hold on. Do you uh, think you Tiffany? A do you think t- hold on, hold on, listen? Did you say that person's a pedophile? Do you think Tiffany Haddish and Ari Spears are pedophiles? Answer my question. I, I know, the question no, first. what I'm saying is it depends on the situation. Shout yeah, it's some Dr. It, a, Dr. A, if I say that child looks attractive to me, are you going to think I'm a pedophile or I made a, a statement that a pedophile would make? I, that's a pedophile statement. I'm gonna be honest when I say you I don't, don't say stuff like that unless there you're are plenty out. of people who have. You don't it, make racist statements unless you're so, racist. So, so, so if if you in your heart, out of the hold on, hold on, hold on. Let, let, don't over, don't over talk. Let me say something. Sometimes, okay. and and I'm being transparent to to what could be my detriment. I've heard guys say before, and I know they're jokingly. They say grass in the infield play ball. That is a pedophilia statement, right? Not to excoriate Biggie Smalls. He said, because you know how I like him. Young, black and green, or fresh and green. You know what I mean? With no hair in between. You know what I mean? You like, whoa, that's crazy. But are we thinking like you're you're promoting pedophilia, but is are we saying Biggie Smalls was a pedophile? So what I'm saying is wait a minute, just because you're young and green does not mean you're underage. You could be 18. You see what I'm saying? That's still young and green. Young, fresh and green with no hair in between. You know what I mean? But you're an adult. I mean... Okay, what I'm saying, you're right. You can interpret it that way, but some people can interpret it another way. So I'm not trying to play naive. Yeah, nobody really makes pedophile statements that's not a pedophile. I agree with that. But I'm not putting that on the same as racist. Because sometimes people make racist statements and they don't know they're making a racist because statement. Because they so they racist. Make, they that's, make, what, that's what a racist, they so racist, they, make they don't t- know they racist. We, we, we definitely going to disagree, okay. right? We definitely going to, I have, yeah, I have why. Do you I, agree with out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks? Yes, but I don't. I also, I also don't believe that if somebody says one thing, we need to label them that as that, because all fall short and made statements. I'm I'm not trying to get into this topic anyway. That's how I'm trying to. There we go. There we go. Off on the tangent. My bad. Palmer (laughs) situation is just like at the end of the day. I don't. Women had a right to say things. I just think they went hard on him for what I think this young man felt was his boundaries. Whether he talked to Kiki Palmer or not and have that discussion, because I would believe if there was a conversation, she wouldn't have done that. I truly believe that. 
I don't think Ooh. women try to set out and disrespect their men like I think that. You're right. That's, that's you true. Know. That's true. So and it to could me, just I be misunderstand. It could be miscommunication. Like they may have had a conversation, but she took one thing from it and he took another thing from it. That happens a lot. Well, you know her, I mean? her child, her child is young. When people say, you know, um, you're a mother and today into social media world. Yeah. If you got a daughter, that does mean something because they can pick up from you. Right. And so what's age appropriate for your daughter to wear her ass out like that? If your 14 year old daughter to you, an adult, right. But if she, right. Okay. So if your daughter's 15 years old in 10th grade and she sees you do that, that means I'm comfortable with my body and you should be too. Mm. Whatever, whatever your body looks like, it's your body. Things work on it. If it's working, thank God for it and be happy with it. Now to me, now we get into the point where, and this is what I'm saying. We can't teach our sons and daughters lessons. Like we're infringing on their lives. Like when we tell them don't wear stuff like that, it's not for, for their own safety and protection. We coming from like, we trying to limit our kids from being who they want to be. I don't, I don't buy that subscription. I believe as a parent, you have a duty and a responsibility to make your child aware of what's going on in society. And everybody ain't nice. There's a chance if you wear something or go to certain places, right? Things may happen. Just like you say, don't hang around such and such after nine o'clock because they get it popping over there and they don't care what's going on. So these are warning signs and flags. So I'm saying, yeah, actions speak louder than words. We can talk a lot, but it's like, damn, mom, you out in the such and such with your whatever. Now, if you say, well, everybody had their behind out. It was appropriate where I'm being. So if you had a party, a beach party, and girls have all the girls have they behind out, and you have yours out, okay. But if you wear some shorts in the mall and everybody don't have they behind, I'm telling you what could happen to you. Okay, that makes sense. You know, so that that makes sense. I that, mean, I, I think, but I think you also we also must tell our children that no one has a right to touch you without your permission. Right. I don't care if you are walking down the street butterball naked. Right. Nobody has a right to touch you. Right. Well, we also have to learn that. And we also have to teach our kids, keep your hands to yourself. Yes. You do not put your hands on anyone under any circumstances without their permission. That's just the and don't line. be quick. And I tell kids, don't be quick to open your mouth. That's yeah. There's a reason why we have one mouth and two ears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, that's that's just how I feel on that as far as with them excoriating uh, Darius Jackson. Yes. And we'll go on to No Relation. Okay, so this is Code Switch, which is on NPR. Uh, It is the fearless conversations about race that you've been waiting for. Hosted by journalists of color, our podcast, their podcast, tackles the subject of race with empathy and humor. 
we explore how uh, they explore how race affects every part of society from po politics and pop culture to history, food, and everything in between. Their podcast makes um, all of us a part of the conversation because uh, we're all part of the story. Code Switch was named Apple Podcast's first ever show of the year in 2020. So that is uh, our oh. podcast plug of the week. Code. Did I tell you that my new building where I work now, um, we have a new building, um, is right across the street from NPR. Yeah, you did tell me that. Yeah, I, I, I keep threatening to go to the Tiny Desk concert. I have to find out how I can. Why, you, why are you threatening to go? Because I have to do, because I've just said, I need to do the research into when they happen, how you get in, because it's a very small space. So I'm sure yeah. you can't just randomly come. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I want to go to that. I'm gonna okay. figure it out. Yeah, I saw Erica Vox. So far, she I think she's been my favorite so far. Uh there's oh, been yeah. a lot of them. Erica Badu. She gave a good tiny desk concert. Yes. Um, but she's always amazing. Yes. <laughs> Love her. And let us move on. Oh hell no. And oh hell no. So slavery mm, 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 mm. benefited black people. Speak on it, partner. Slavery benefited black people. You know what? That Ron uh -oh. DeSantis. I, I guess the only black the, the only ones that have benefited are the black ones who had slaves themselves, huh? <laughs> Look, listen, that Ron DeSantis, he he takes no days off. No days off. He is a stone cold racist. But anyway, so the this is the governor of Florida, Ron Death Sentence, as people call him, Ron DeSantis. Um, so yeah, there's new Florida teaching standards um, consistent with you know the the No Woke Act in in Florida. They have new teaching standards that encompass. Um, the controversial 2022 law regulating how race can be taught in schools. So these new standards include instruction on, quote, how slaves developed skills, which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. And lessons that touch on acts of violence perpetrated against and by African Americans. So, yeah, so this stems from the state tweaking its history curriculum to match the so called Stop Woke Law, as I said before. And the Stop Woke Law takes aim at lessons over issues like white privilege by creating new protections for students and workers, including that a person should not be instructed to, quote, feel guilt, anguish, or any other form of psychological distress due to their race, color, sex, or national origin. This is just... So this is ridiculous because, one, you didn't want to teach slavery and what actually went on. So now you're trying to pull and say slavery was necessary because it, it um, civilized African-Americans, right? So are you going to say how they learn, you know, 
they learn, you know, different things with a whip over them. Okay. You know, they got forced into learning things. You going to tell how they were taught? He literally, he literally gave an example and he was like, for example, if a slave and he called them slaves, you know, we, we've changed our language. We refer to our ancestors as enslaved people. They were people who were enslaved. Something happened to them. They are not quote unquote slaves. I mean, it makes it sound like, you know, a mythical creature, like an animal or something. So anyway, so he said, this is his language. Slaves, if a slave learned to be a blacksmith, they could take that skill and use it in the future to, I mean, I don't, I, I don't even it's know. Just, it's like, just horrific that it's, stupid. It's, it's horrific. First of all, let me say this. This doesn't need to be said, right? Under any conditions. They trying to make this is what the hold on, hold on, let me finish. Okay, Under yeah, any no, condition. No, no, no. So today you have men and women who are incarcerated. And while mm -hmm. they're incarcerated, they pick up skills while they're incarcerated in prison. Making and, license plates. Right. Something. So you don't come home and say, Well, prison benefited him because he got because you you anything you teach me in slavery. <laughs> I hate to laugh. I can be taught out of slavery. I didn't need to be a slave to learn how to blacksmith, right? <laughs> like I had to go to slavery to be, it doesn't make sense. And then what I'm learning about this guy and everybody knows it, it's not a big reveal, right? That I've come up with. Mm -hmm. It's like, he knows, this is sad. He knows his constituents in Florida do not care about him making comments about that. To me, that's a state that you don't really, you don't want to reside in. And I'm saying that, and I'm in Texas with Abbott. So listen to me. Well, um, I, I, I actually disagree with that. I would love to live in Florida. I mean, the beautiful weather and the beautiful water. I just wish Ron DeSantis wasn't the governor. So, yeah, with him at the helm, no, you don't want to be in Florida. <laughs> you don't want to be in Florida. Yeah, they, they were telling people not to visit Florida. Yeah, the NAACP, right. right. They were just like, it's too, it's too vicious. Hostile against black people, yes. Yeah. It was See, an advisory, travel advisory against going to Florida because they didn't want to get sued for for boycotting Florida, quote unquote. And let us move on. Give it up, give it up, give it up, yo. Give it up, give it up, gotta give it up. Give it up, give it up. All right. I know my alma mater is on here a lot, but they're doing a lot of things. And you know what? I'm, I am going to pump them up anytime I get a chance. Yes. Because they, they were responsible for changing my life. And I'll forever applaud them for that. So come to find out, Morgan State University is going to have a new medical school. And I think this is the fourth. Is it the fourth or the third all-black medical school um that's a good question i believe let's let's try to name them howard uh yeah, drew, Char charles drew oh and, no fifteen. Uh, charles drew howard Mahari, morehouse okay yeah so it's a fifth yeah so morgan state and i i'm 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 happy for that that's that's a great thing the now last one was 50 was, years ago dr a yeah now yeah that's true now all we need is to get a get a law school Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Then Morgan will be up there. We'll be one of the uh, uppity 
elite historically uh, black colleges and university. Yeah, they, it's going to be called the Maryland College of Osteopathic Medicine at Morgan State. And yes. I had to look osteopathic up. Do you know what that is? That is that that something, basically something. With, is it something with arthritis? No, it has to do with um, holistic medicine. Oh, so, right. Yeah, it's yeah, not. Uh, yeah. It so it's it, it kind of encompasses uh, a natural uh, naturopathic healing and things of that nature. Way not of just, healing. Yeah, not just, not, not just traditional medicine. Exactly, exactly. Oh, okay. And so they they're hoping um, that they're trying to achieve two primary goals. One is to increase the number of black doctors entering the profession. And in turn, number two, to increase black Baltimore residents access to physicians that look like them. Mm. So this is a great mission. We need medical schools like this. And this is good news. So got to give it up to them. The first. Yeah, yeah. Uh, osteopathic, a whole person approach to hands-on care. Uh, they believe there's more good health than the absence of pain or disease. That's osteopathic. Yes. And the medical school is scheduled to welcome its first class in the fall of 2024. So next year. So yeah. the school, they must they must be working on the school and the building. Well, I think they started it in 2018. The the idea of it started in 2018. So I'm sure they got the plan. I'm not sure when the actual construction started, but this has been um, in the works since 2018. So this is great. A long time coming. And it's it's definitely needed and it's definitely welcome in Maryland, Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy for that. I am happy for that. Indeed. So... As always, we're going to wrap up. We're going to start with our three plugs today. The product was Heinz. The brand was Rogue. And the podcast was Cold Switch. Right. Our wow for the week came from a Reverend Jesse Jackson. It is time for us to turn to each other, not on each other. Our three what's going on with Kathleen Marriott, um, Carly Russell, and Afro Man. Um, we had an interview with author Layla Jackson. Um, the question of the week was, if a plane crashed between the United States and Canada, where do they bury the survivors? We had a topic talk surrounding Kiki Palmer's outfit that she wore to the Usher concert. Uh, our little known black history was Reverend Richard Allen. Um, and our hell no, DeSantis again saying that slavery benefited some black people. And we gave it up to Morgan State University for opening up a new medical school that will start uh, enrolling students in 2024. So we hope you enjoyed the show today. We discussed a lot. This was shows almost an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, but we've been hearing that y'all want more time. So that's a good thing. So as always, we leave with Thank you, everybody, for taking time out of your busy schedules to hang out with us. And as always, in parting, we wish you love, peace, 
and so and so y'all we'll see y'all next week peace